their best with respect, curiosity, good humor, vulnerability, and boundaries. Welcome to Psychic Playdate Podcast with me, spirit and psychic artist Melanie Alberts. Hey, today marks the end of season one. After this episode, I'll be taking an eight-week break from interviews until the new year. I plan on posting season one of my podcast on YouTube with captions for deaf and hearing impaired viewers, so please be on the lookout for that. Today's guest is Lois Goodman. Lois has taught scores of people how to access their intuition in my hometown of Austin, Texas, and she's been doing that for the last 25 years. I was guided to take her introductory class eight years ago in order to make sense of a lifetime of paranormal experiences. Lois teaches in a studio in her colorful mermaid-themed home, which has been featured on the Austin Weird Homes Tour. She's designed and created several art cars as well. Lois loves color and has a whimsical style I just love. She's a no-nonsense but compassionate intuitive who specializes in relationships. Today, we'll talk about dating during lockdown and how intuitives can handle family during the holidays. I really think you'll enjoy her presence. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy the holiday season and stay healthy. Please follow me on my Spirit and Psychic Art Facebook page or on Instagram, where I'll continue to post what I'm up to. Feel free to email me at melanie at melaniealbertsmedium.com as well. Let's go greet Lois. Well, hello, Lois. Hi. It's wonderful having you here. I'm so glad you decided to stop by and bring me up to date with what you're doing. So you recently had a uh, re- make or redo over of your website it needed to be redone for a long time so my first one I guess I got in about 2007 and then we kind of redid it um maybe eight years ago a little bit of a redo and then um I had a little event and everybody was going you need to bring your you need to bring your website into this century and I said I don't even know what that means because I am not a tech person And so because of COVID, I had a lot more time and I spent a couple weeks just very very deliberate reorganizing, redoing it. And I thought I can't give this to a designer anymore because I sort of am my own designer and I don't know anything about how to, I I need to design it, but I need somebody who can do the technical part and put in all the code and all that. So I went to my friend, Bill, who knows me better than anybody. And um, I said, if I do this, can you do this? And he said, whatever you need, I can do it. And I said, okay, well, you know, we have a problem, a little bit of a problem because you're colorblind. And my whole life and my whole being is about color. And he goes, no worries. He goes, you just tell me what colors you like and I'll pull the code. 
And so it was perfect. I didn't know what he was doing. I opened it up. I just was blown away. I thought he captured me. But there are a few things I needed to change. And one of them was um, there was a purple box and there was a little um, button that you were supposed to push. And I didn't like the color of the button. And so he goes, you know, I can change the intensity of all these colors. And I go, okay, change the intensity of that purple. And then I said, all right, I need this hot pink. And there's this chart of pink ones. So you go over five, go down two. And um, he goes, that's purple. I said, no, 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 it's a hot pink. And he goes, no, it's the exact same code as the purple, except it's more intense. And I said, well, it really is hot pink. And he goes, no, it, it, the code is purple. And I said, okay, it's purple. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it's, of course, it's hot pink. <laughs> so, so why is color so important to you? So in my house, I have 29 colors or more. I can't even keep track. And um, I think that they have a vibration. And if I don't have really bright colors around me, I think that it affects my mood in a very negative way. Anytime I get anywhere near beige, I kind of get depressed or brown and um, I just can't do that. And so that's the reason I thought my website, you know, it had to have color. I could have never used an earth tone in it. I don't like earth tones. And so it's where we vibrate. I vibrate there and other people vibrate with beige and my colors are overstimulating to them. So I think it's, it has to match you just like conversations have to match you. And when you're doing a reading for somebody, you have to match their vibration. And so everything is about vibration. Well, Lois, tell the listener how you got involved with becoming a psychic teacher. I call myself an intuitive. I had a reader that I used to go to in the eighties and she told me you can do this. And I said, Oh no, I can never do what you do. And she goes, come on Sundays. And so I went over there for a year. I really struggled. And then one day I got it. And it was just trying to get in touch with your own intuition. That's all she was teaching is to be intuitive and get in touch with it. And, and the way she did it was through tarot cards. But she said, you don't, we're never going to learn tarot. You don't need to know tarot. It's just some tool that you use that will help you get in touch with your either feeling or hearing or seeing whatever you get, however you get your information. And that's how I learned to do it. And so I loved it. I had, I just loved it. And I loved helping people. And I loved being in that space where you're using your intuition and you kind of check out and you end up, something comes in through you as a message to somebody else. That, I guess that's a way of saying it. <laughs> so I practiced on anybody and everybody forever um, it was like four years. So forever is not really four years, but it was like four years. And then some, one day somebody called me and said, I heard you did readings. I said, I only do that for my people I know and friends. And she said, I would pay you. And of course I thought I would lose the gift if I took money, but she talked me into it. And then the same week, somebody else completely different from somebody else called and said, I heard you do readings. And I thought, Oh, well, maybe this is something I'm supposed to do. So I've been doing readings for about a year, um, people referring people as, as that's how it works. It wasn't like I was going and telling people I was doing it. And somebody came that had a holistic center. And she said, um, after her reading, she said, I want you to come teach intuition at my holistic center. And I said, are you kidding me? 
I said, I've only been doing this for five years. And I said, I've only been doing it for money for a year. And, and I said, I just, I can't do that. And I said, I wouldn't even know how to teach it. She goes, you can do it and you need to come and do it. And she goes, I'll help get people for you. I want you to teach it. You'll be a great teacher. And um, I don't know why I said yes, but I said yes. And that was in 1995. And I've been teaching intuition classes ever since. And I think that it was my part of my path and that somebody got put in my path who encouraged me to do something I thought I would never do. And I know sometimes in readings, I tell people so often just say yes. And I guess I took my own advice and I said yes. So it's one of my favorite things I do is teach intuition class. I really enjoyed being in your intuition class. And it was about eight years ago that I took your class. It was six weeks and we did something different every week. And I learned so much. It was just a, a wonderful time. And I really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I thought one of the funnest things was, so I was one of the first people to arrive. And you said, don't talk to anybody tell everybody not to talk to each other because we're going to read each other and learn about each other that way. And I thought that was brilliant. Oh, that's so cool. And it, it's so much fun, but it's the hardest thing to have everybody be quiet for like two of the three hours in terms of not exposing anything about themselves. And it's one of my favorite exercises because people don't think they can do it, but really the exercise is, is that you just say your name and everybody in the room goes around and says what they get about you, whatever it is. And, you know, it's like 95% accurate, you know, at the end you read what people said and go, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. And it's so random what people end up saying. And, you know, if that's not intuition, what is it? It's well, you know, sometimes you could read the person cause you're there in the room with them. And so you can see what they're wearing and you can, glean some things from their body language but none of that none of that really works does it no it doesn't it's it's so funny you said that because my favorite one ever that anybody said was um I, somebody in one of my classes said to this woman who was wearing the cutest outfit it was like a leather skirt and leather boots and when they got to him, he goes, the only thing I'm picking up is dominatrix. And it was like, I, I, you can't be looking at her clothes. You need to go a little bit deeper than that. And she <laughs> said she was so flattered. <laughs> well, that's a good, say, good way to segue into relationships. How did you become Austin's relationship guru? Oh, that, that was so unexpected, just like teaching and just like doing readings. It was, you know, if you're on the path, you're on the path. And sometimes you, you end up there and you have no idea you were ever going to be there in the first place. If you had ever said that I'd help people with relationships, I go, what are you talking about? So in the very beginning, I noticed that there's special people specialize when they do um, any kind of intuitive work. They, a lot of people have specialties. And so some people would do, they're like a medical intuitive or 
Um, they specialize with channeling angels or they, they all have different things that they specialize in. And I thought, I've been in business forever. I studied business in college. I said, I am going to be great at helping people with business because there's a certain vocabulary that you have in business. And I understand that vocabulary. So I would do readings for business people. Um, they would come to me for that. And this is, it's always been that way because I am good at business. But um, what I realized is that everything is relationship. And a lot of people would come and they were having problems with their partners in business. And or they would say, you know, I really need to take on a partner because, and they, and, and ultimately while they're there thinking they're working on business and it is relationship, it's re all kinds of relationships in business. And then, and then I'd end up talking about their personal love life. As time went on, I realized that just happened to be where I flowed. I just really flow with relation, romantic relationships and I don't hold anything back. And I think when people go to get therapy, um, if they have an issue, there's certain rules that have to be followed if you're a professional and I can just cut to the chase and I can say, the reason you're having a problem is you haven't worked on this with yourself. And so you can't attract what you want in your life and the person you want if you don't clean this up. And so it's a relationship with themselves. It could be a relationship with business. It can be romantic relationships. And I also ended up having relationship support groups with women. And the only requirement would be that they, at, they had to want a relationship. You know, there was no other requirement. And I remember the first time I did it, I had a pretty, pretty large group for my space. So there was probably at least 10 people in there. And there was a girl who was 18 and there was a woman who was 63. And I was looking around the room and I go, what do they all have in common? And I realized it's fear of being hurt. And I said, my job here is to move them out of fear and so that they can take a chance and move forward. I, I'm good at that. And it's all intuition. It's not it's not any learned skill. I use my intuition and it just, it feels comfortable to me. It's the area I'm comfortable, not comfortable with medical, although I can do it a little. I like to think of myself as a general practitioner, but when it comes to relationship, anything, I'm really good at it. And I found that there was no question I couldn't answer. And I ended up writing for Austin Woman Magazine being their relationship columnist. And I had a column in the Austin Post called Love Lois. And I love helping people. They can call and ask me any question and I can answer it. You have about five dozen different questions on your website and, and answers. What do you think is the most pressing or most common question when it comes to relationships? I think one of the biggest challenges, and I don't hear it too often, anymore but people don't know what to do when somebody cheats and I think that's a really there's so much there's so many levels to that and there's so many different ways of viewing it but most of the time when somebody comes in for a reading 
and I ask why, why did you get divorced or why are you considering divorce? And they'll say, because they cheated. And I said, when did they leave the relationship? Well, we said, no, not when you separated. When did they emotionally leave the relationship? Because people think that somebody cheated, but the relationship was usually long over before somebody cheats. And so there's a real reason somebody's not married anymore. And it's usually not from the cheating, but it's very easy to blame it on that aspect. But that comes after the marriage has already been emotionally done. And then when I start asking people, when did you check out? When did they check out? Then it shifts the conversation. And what do you think is the most pressing question in 2020? Oh, the one I can't answer. <laughs> you know, when is this going to be over? But um, <laughs> in terms of relationship, mm -hmm. how do you date in 2020? I've been really studying that. How do you date through masks or how do you meet people and how do you feel safe? And every, you know, I think all of our social norms have are gone. People still want to date and they still want to meet people and they still want to have relationships. But how do you do that safely? And it, it to me, it goes back to the era of AIDS and what people had to go through then and the questions that you would have to ask people. So, for example, if you've been isolated and you've been by yourself and you want to date somebody now, you start asking them, well, who? Who have you been with? Where have you been? Have you gotten tested? Have you, it's almost, you know, when is, how do you know you're safe? How do you, it, it's an interesting thing. It's almost the same questions. And it's, it's not easy. I don't, I would not want to be in the dating world right now. I think it's very challenging. You're a big fan of online dating apps, aren't you? Well, I, I, am and I am not and and I would love for people to be able to meet organically I mean everybody wants that I've never met anybody that says oh I can't wait to go online <laughs> nobody wants to go online it's a it's an awful thing to have to do to go to an electronic device to meet somebody People are in front of their computers all day. And I say, you have to meet them where they are. And they're in front of their computers. But when it really comes down to it, you know, people used to meet in bars. And, and I said, I never wanted to meet anybody in a bar. When I would talk to other women, they go, I really don't want to meet anybody in a bar. You know, nobody ever wanted to meet that way. And, and when I was much younger, because much younger, um, you know, you would go and you'd go to dance. We would go out to dance and that was an opportunity to meet people. But, you know, I think people would like to get fixed up. And when I got to be like 40 or 30 something, I couldn't even fix anybody up. I didn't even know any guys. So it, it's not that easy to get those traditional methods. They don't work anymore. So you have to go online. So it's not like I'm a fan, but when people come to me, they go, I don't want to go online. And I said, nobody does. 
but how do you want to meet them? You know what? You can go to meetups. I like meetups. The idea of meeting somebody, like if you're a backgammon fan, you could go and play backgammon um, at a meetup and maybe meet somebody. But every time I've been to classes and I thought when I was younger and I wanted to meet men, you know, I said, oh, I'm going to take scuba diving. I took scuba diving and almost everybody in there was a woman. It's always just every class I would take, they would mostly be women. So I'm like, well, where where can you really meet people? I know there's ways, but it's not that easy to do it organically. So you do go online. And I'm not a big fan of any app where you just look at somebody's photo and you pick them that way. I, I think that is, um, I actually think that's horrible. I think it's the least important thing about somebody is what they look like. Now, a lot of people argue that point, but I think it is absolutely the least important thing that, because they're not going to always look like that. That's for sure. So what's the most important thing? I think being able to be compatible. I wouldn't want to be with somebody who was less intelligent than me. It wouldn't take much to be more intelligent than me, but I wouldn't want to be with somebody that was less intelligent than me. I wouldn't want to be with somebody that didn't make me laugh. I wouldn't want to be with somebody that didn't have the same interests I have. Because I think that really being companions and best friends is really important. And I want somebody that listens to me and I can talk to, and I can be vulnerable with, and I know that I'm safe. There's so many other things. And the idea that you pick somebody based on the fact that they look good to you makes no sense to me. What kind of advice would you give intuitives who may be paired with somebody not intuitive, a muggle? Ah, ah. First of all, if they were local or I would tell them to tell their partner to take my class because I believe everybody's intuitive and they don't really know what it is. And I think my class teaches them what it is and how to get in touch with it. But if they're resistant to that, the main thing is that they respect that you are. So if I, I'm talking to my partner and I say, I feel that we should do this because he knows that there's more to it than me thinking that I'm actually feeling it. And it feels like it would be a good thing to do. So I just want to be respected in a relationship for being an intuitive and it's okay if they're not, because I can carry that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Now, I'd also like to get some advice from you about the holidays. Oh, God. Here in the States, we've just had a contentious election. Thanksgiving's coming up. The winter holidays are coming up. What is your best advice for dealing with family members during this time? I think agreements. I think agreements in any relationship are really important. And if I was to be at a table with somebody that had different political 
beliefs are if we didn't feel the same about wearing masks or if we didn't feel the same about vaccines or whatever, I think the most important thing is to focus on the things that we do agree about and not to bring that into the picture. It doesn't, it doesn't serve anybody to discuss those things. We're not changing anybody's minds. And all it does is cause emotional trauma and conflict. And, and not only that, but we have to start reviewing if we still want to have relationships with them. It's a really big deal because, you know, politics can be your heart. It could be a belief system. It can be so many things. And I think it's up to us to try to accept people where they are, even though we may not understand them. So do you think each meal should start with a a truce? (laughs) Only if there are people there who do not share the same belief systems. If you're lucky enough to have 10 people sitting around a table and you all share the same beliefs, then it's just really fun to share, share those beliefs with each other. But if there's anybody that would be uncomfortable with that, I think you have to say, here's our rules. I think it's really about rules, you know, no politics, no, um, no discussion of diseases, no discussion of, you know, whatever it is, because it just, and, and who wants to talk about it at a holiday anyway? That's not what it's about. I think some families just get into that argumentative mode. Right. And, and I remember um, when I realized that a member of my family and I would never just, we would never agree about anything ever. And so I said, there were a lot of people there and I would just say hello. And I didn't even really say, how are you? And I tried to focus on the other part of the room. Avoidance. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to keep the peace. It, it's not going to do any good to go another direction. And, and then family members are for, forced to take sides or to, oh, it, it just could get really ugly. And also, I do something that might be a little bit different than other people do. And I find um, when I do readings that everybody seems to have similar issues, but they handle it a little differently. I don't have an attachment to being with a family member that I feel is abusive. And I think a lot of people say, you know, the way my mother talks to me or the way my father talks to me or my brother or sister. And I ask them, I, why are you still in that relationship? And they go, well, it's my brother or it's my mother or it's my father. And I go, why are you letting somebody abuse you no matter who they are? So I think there's a lot to family dynamics that people accept that they wouldn't accept in the outside world. I wouldn't accept being with anybody who was abusive to me. And it doesn't matter whether they have family status or not. You know, I choose people around me who 
um, like me and respect me and I like them and I respect them. And that's where I think relationships get complicated because when I'm working with somebody that's having a really, a really poor relationship, a romantic relationship. And like I said, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is, but I always ask them, I said, well, do you think they like you? And they said, well, no, no, I don't think they do really. And what about respect? You know, they, for sure, they don't respect me. And I go, well, how do you feel about them? Do you like them? Well, no, not, no, I don't. Well, no, I don't think I do. And do you respect them? Oh, well, no, I can't respect them for all that they've been doing. And I said, and they go, but, 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 and I go, but what? And they go, but I love them. I love them. I go, oh, well, loving people is so easy. That's a really easy thing to do. I said, but liking somebody and respecting them, that's way more important. So, but it's hard to get people out of family relationships because there's some, so much of a bond in history, but in the end, you have to take them where they are. And if they're abusing you and they don't respect you and they don't act like they like you and they're just, and I don't care who they are, why are you in this relationship? So I don't separate family and friends and, and work relationships to me, you know, self-respect comes from not letting someone treat you that way. And, but getting people out of family relationships that are destructive and toxic is a very difficult thing to do for whatever reason. I think people have a fear of being alone. They have a fear of going into a place that they're not used to. People are raised in abusive homes and that's what they're used to. That feels comfortable. So that's what makes it so difficult. Yes, you have the answer. That's exactly right. I just, I think that there's a lot to the um, being alone, but I think when you're disregarded, you really are alone. So a lot of intuitives and psychics and mediums listen to this podcast. What's your advice for them coming out to their family? Oh, oh, um, you know, I had to do that. And, and I didn't really care what my family thought. So I'm probably not one to, I pretty much don't care what anybody thinks, but I, that may come with a lot of age and self-awareness. But um, I did work when I started doing readings, you know, which was in 1990. Um, I did work and I worked for, um, on, a, on a military base. And I was doing readings when I got off of work. I just was hesitant to say anything to anybody because I was a little concerned about where I was and the judgment. And then my, my CPA said that when you, she said to me, when you start treating this as a business, it will be a business. So when you're hiding yourself from who you are and what you do, then you will never be able to create, um, you'll never be able to create your business if you're doing it for a business. But even if you're not doing it for a business, hiding yourself 
and the best part of you is your intuition and your psychic ability and whatever it is. It's so much a part of you. And to hide that is an act of, well, it's the opposite of self-love. You know, self-love is loving every part of you and, and showing the world who you are. And this is a gift and you owe it to yourself to be in your gift and to show your gift. And I think it's um, cheating yourself and whatever anybody happens to think about it. Well, let me rephrase that. My whole life philosophy is what people think of me is none of my business. I operate that way. I drive an art car and a lot of people couldn't drive an art car if they started thinking about what someone thought about them. And I remember somebody said to me once, oh, it's really important for you to be seen. And I said, oh, you think they're looking at me? I said, they're looking at the car. I said, I don't need to be seen. (laughs) So it really, you have to get to a place where you're so comfortable with yourself that you can come out to anybody about any part of you. Although I still say you might want to hold the politics around people that (laughs) don't necessarily agree. Oh, I agree totally with that. Yeah, it's been a rough go. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Lois, thank you so much. I really enjoyed hearing your story and your relationship advice. And if people want more, they can go to ask-lois.com. Yes, ask-lois.com. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, they can feel free to ask relationship advice. Yes, they can. Um, they can send a question to the website and I'll answer it um, and put it on the website. They can, I do profiles for people. So even though nobody likes being online, I help people do profiles that are really about who they are. And I think they've been pretty successful. The people that have done it. Oh, you mean dating profiles, dating profiles. Sorry. I should have said that. Yes. I do dating online profiles for people and I still teach intuition class, but not this year. We have to wait till we can get together in person. And I do phone readings or in-person readings, whatever somebody needs. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't know about you, but if I had a relationship problem, I'd be writing to Lois for her point of view. Have you ever had success with meeting people online? I've made some really good friends that way, and when I was single, I did have a stroke of luck finding a lovely boyfriend through the classified personals. My instinct was that if I ever read an ad asking for a woman who was not materialistic, I'd have to reply. Well, sure enough, those exact words were in an ad I read one afternoon. And the way this worked was you called the newspaper and left a voicemail for the person and if they liked you, they'd reply. Well, he liked me, we met for coffee, and he was so polite, smart, cute, and we dated. Hey, but win-win, I wasn't materialistic, 
and he wasn't a serial killer. I do wish all the best for your holiday season and please keep in touch. I plan to be back in the new year with a new season of podcasts and videos on YouTube. My goal is with each program to show how we are all psychic because like bands of a rainbow, we may appear distinct, but we share the same awareness. Hey, keep politics out of it. Be good to each other and believe in the power of play.